This is the Family Electric Go live on our Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook channels with Harmony Woodington for the first time. How are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. So we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You can get Newsly on your iOS device or Android. And if you use coupon code GHOST, uh, you can receive one month free premium subscription. So you can stop scrolling and start listening. This podcast is on Newsly and will be on there later tonight. And thank you for being on the program again. Um, you, you've been uh, involved in what you call personal expansion. You're a personal expansion specialist. Now, have you described what that actually entails? But um, again, thank you for being on the program. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so essentially, I like to think of the work that I do to support my clients as expansion, because when you grow, growth happens essentially in one direction, whereas expanding happens in all directions. And when I support my clients expanding, that is holistic, which means that they're creating uh, a life in service of themselves, learning to love themselves, learning how to create beautiful and healthy relationships in their professional life and in their personal life. They're reconciling their relationship with abundance and money because a lot of people have programming around that. Uh, they're also creating a spiritual practice of their own. They're also diving into sexuality as well and their professional life. And they're getting really support in every aspect of their life. So by the time they graduate the program with me, they're in a place where they've learned how to listen to their mind and body and create a harmonious relationship with both, which supports them really serving whatever agenda they have in their own life, be it personal or professional. That's really interesting that, that your term of the expansion because you know in my in my music career as, as the ghost as a producer and musician, we actually call our work expansive sound experiments, and the reason we did is because we didn't want to get locked into one genre, and we wanted to be cross genre. And then we got into podcasting, we ended up doing the same thing, because we initially were just talking to musicians, then we expanded to shamans, life coaches, therapists. CEOs, anybody we find interesting. So we started and everybody yeah. told us, well, you should only have a narrow focus. You should only do one type of thing. And people will give you that kind of advice. But what I've kind of always been into holistic thinking, you know, kind of more like the Socratic method of learning is to kind of just kind of soak everything in, look at the big picture and kind of figure out there's a lot of things that either affect the soul, the affect the spirit, the mind, the heart, the body. So if you just do one piece of that, you never, you never really are satisfied. You kind of have to deal with everything. So I think it's it's interesting that we have the same point of view, at least when it comes to that, from from what you initially told me. Yes, exactly. And if there's something lacking in one aspect of your life, it affects everything else. Nothing is like neatly tucked into one box. If you're lacking when it comes to your relationships and you have difficult romantic relationships and familial relationships and friendships, that is going to translate to your business. So if you say, well, I'm going to cut everything else out and I'm just going to focus on my business success and then I'll get to everything else later. The problem is, is business is about relationships, isn't it? Right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't know how to create a healthy relationship in business and you have problems where you self-sabotage or you attract people that are really low vibration and take advantage of you, 
you're not going to create the success in business that you want because you have to reconcile uh, the trauma and the past and the refining fires and the issues that you have to actually make that happen. So it makes no sense to only focus on one aspect of your life. It has to be holistic to get long-term resolution. That That's really interesting because a lot of times, like in, in the corporate world, I, I've seen people that feel like, oh, I'm going to sit at that desk for 12 hours, you know, or I'm going to be working till midnight and not deal with my family and not do the things I like to do, not do any exercise, not, you know, not kind of be totally dedicated to the, to the, to the task. But then you end up failing because, you know, it's actually better if you took a time out, if you, if you walk away, where you go, you go to the gym, you go with, you go see your girlfriend, you go with your boyfriend, see your wife, you go see your kid at school. You don't miss their play. That you find that your mind gets more clear and you're not as chaotic or hung up on, on this one-track mind because your mind isn't a one-track mind. And yeah. actually experiencing life will, will actually make you, make you make better decisions, like you're saying, because if you're self-sabotaging or you're putting too much energy into one place without handling all the other things, you're not really being a whole person. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the other challenge is too, is if you're putting all of your time and energy into your career and you do eventually create success for yourself, when you turn around to celebrate with people, no one's going to be there. No one's there. <laughs> and that's left. tragic. That's very tragic, right? So, yeah. you know, it's important to to honor those relationships that you have so you have people to celebrate with. And it's important to take the time out because it's not the systems and processes and tools that are actually going to help you be successful. It's actually taking the time out to allow for inspiration to flow, ideas to flow. Because in all reality, a lot of what people create comes from and stems from some beautiful idea that came from somewhere. It wasn't yep. some process. It wasn't some tool. It wasn't some course they took. They were in a moment in the forest and received divine inspiration. And that was the thing that helped them next level their world. So the timeout is paramount. Yeah, because when it comes to music, you know, a lot of people today are what I call it in this thing called in the box. So they're, they're using computers to create music. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a keyboardist. I'm a pianist. I'm a, I'm a horn player. So I'm a synthesist. Uh, so the idea is that I still like to play my pianos and my keyboards. But the music world today is very clip-based, very clone-based, very sample-based. And, and, and what I tend to still like to do is stream of consciousness type of music. And people say, what's that do? It's like, well, I just put a multi-track on and I just play. And I play what I feel, whether the happy accidents and the mistakes and all. And I put it down and then listen to that. And I find that over time as a musician, as I've gotten older, that, that trying to be obsessive on the bar is trying to write out everything and plan it. It never comes out as well as if I just let my heart and my, my, my experience just let me kind of freeform write like an author who just goes onto their, their diary and freeforms it or goes onto their computer and, and, and doesn't look at their outline, but just lets it go. It lets mm -hmm. the muse come in and you, you trust yourself. You start, you start to trust your artistic instinct and not try to second guess it and start and stop, you kind of go with a flow. You feel like the universe is there and there's this universal key that you can reach if you just open your mind and don't get closed to things. That as you become more open as an artist, you get better 
because you're not obsessing about every little detail. It just kind of comes to you. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And unfortunately, a lot of people that are in the business world are based in logic and they lose touch with their intuition and that connection to that beautiful divine inspiration. And I think it's really important to honor all aspects of you and to be able to do that because in business, I was, I just did a video about this actually on TikTok, um, talking about difficult conversations. And when you can allow yourself to step back when there's somebody that you might be in conflict with, and instead of reacting to their behavior, you can listen and think and go, what's motivating this person? And how can I respond with love and really listen to your intuition on things and really allow yourself to connect to the person then you can really resolve conflict so much better and create an outcome that is a win-win for everyone. But again, if you're in the moment and you're trying to control everything and you're trying to rely on all these protocols and systems and processes and logic and all that, you get lost. I have too many clients that get lost in analysis paralysis. And I'm telling you right now, it doesn't get anybody anywhere. I, one of my things that I teach my clients is stepping out of logic because they're stuck when they're in their logic and they need to learn to listen to their intuition and realize that that is a more significant tool than what they realize and that you can compartmentalize yourself. In fact, Walt Disney uh, is a beautiful example because when he was in the creative space, he would only allow creative people in the room. No logic people, no people who dealt with finances, none of that. None of those people were allowed in the room. Just all the crazy brains that were like thinking of beautiful ideas and they would God. just brainstorm with no boundaries. Then he would get the logistics people to come in and figure out how to make that work. And then he would get the financial people to figure out how much this is going to cost. And so everything was separated and if we were to think about our brains that way and when we need to be in logic we step into logic when we need to be creative we step into creative when we need our intuition we step into that and we understand that we are a multi-dimensional being that has all of these facets and we can follow that blueprint essentially that Walt Disney uh you know showed I mean I'm just gonna say he's one of the most successful people literally on the planet So I'm just saying maybe he was doing something Mm -hmm. right. So it might be worth taking a look at what he did. You know, I think it's a really beautiful thing to honor. Right. So what you're doing is going into that beautiful creative space and letting go of logic, letting go of anything that's hindering you and not getting lost in, like you said, the bars and the measures and the analysis stuff, because that gets you stuck. But when you're in creative, you open your mind and you just allow the brilliance to flow. And when it comes out and it's all done, you're just like, mm, that is yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, 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 a lot of times what I think what happens is people get like, I don't know, I was looking at the bell curve. Like if you look at business, a lot of times they're trying to get people to be in that curve. Right. So the idea, like when you get into industrial revolution, like Henry Ford, he had all these artisans, all these people that were hand building stuff and put them in a factory and put them on the bell curve to repeat the same task over and over and over and over with no creativity, no individuality, no uniqueness. So then that kind of takes the fun out of working because all you do is trying to get the same task in a robotic method. And the problem is a lot of times in business, they want creatives, but they want to put people on this bell curve. And the creators are going to be on both sides of that curve. And you're going to get like a guy like Einstein, if you measured him, right, 
he was failing on certain courses, but he won the smartest physicist, mathematics, mathematicians ever. But if you measured him in at the current standards of his day, they said he wasn't smart, right? He failed. Yeah. Right. But he was brilliant. So that was that tell you about the measurement? The measurement's incorrect. So a lot of times creatives get forced out of business because they don't fit into that bell curve. They don't fit into it because they want them to fit into the cookie cutter. And how could a creative person going to be in a cookie, be a cookie cutter, be a clone? They're going to be unique. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't know how to deal with that in business, you're going to drive them away. Yeah, I agree. It's one of the biggest challenges uh, that creative people uh, struggle with is spreadsheets and <laughs> tools and all the different things that have to be implemented in order to be able to create a successful business. And I very much being a creative raised by creatives. My dad is a musician. My mother is an artist and I was doing stained glass and sculpting and woodwork and, and everything from the time that I was a very little girl. Um, and it's translated into who I am today. And I've had to learn to love spreadsheets. I've had to learn to appreciate creating five-year projections and all of that stuff. It's, it is a learning curve, but I understand how important it is to nurture those aspects of myself that are weaker because it, it is really, you need to be holistic when it comes to your ability to thrive. And if there's tools that you don't enjoy utilizing then when you get to a point where you're making enough, you can delegate that. But if you do it yourself, then you can properly delegate and manage those people that are working with you. So I think there's something to be said for developing those skills yourself, whether yeah. you like it or not. <laughs> well, that's where I'm kind of like, I got two sides going because I'm a, I'm an, I'm a software developer and I'm a okay. musician, right? So wow. in my day-to-day -day life, I'm in the logic real heavy. But what yeah. I found is you kind of left and right brain. I need to, at the end of that day, go onto my piano and go onto my Moog synthesizer or my Roland and actually use the creative part of my brain that's not logical. And so because I can do both, I find it very freeing. Like I would not feel like a complete person if I couldn't go and play my Moog or go mm -hmm. and compose or go produce. But I found that as a way to balance myself so that I could have that 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 nine to five is paying the bills, but it's creative. And what I like about software is like, what we know is that we don't know everything. What we <laughs> know is that things have to change. What we know is what we designed today is gonna probably get replaced tomorrow. So it's a little bit different type of creativity where I'm, it's always expanding. I'm always learning new techniques, new things. And so I don't get feel like I'm in the Henry Ford kind of automation do the same thing over and over. I have to actually the monotony. Yeah, you have to think out of the box. You have to create something new. We build yeah. stuff that's new. And so it's a technical thing and we do have to know logic, but we're able to be creative. So I was able to kind of find the best of all worlds where it wasn't as corporate as it could be. <laughs> that's beautiful. I totally respect that so much. It's really important to be able to nurture all sides of yourself and if you are a creative mind and are not good with the monotony, it's important to be able to put yourself in a space where that aspect of you is being nurtured. Otherwise it's literally soul sucking. And I'm very much that way as well, which is why I love the work that I do because every mind 
that I get to work with is a whole new maze to explore. And it's mm -hmm. so much fun because everyone's mind is unique and brilliant. So it's a whole new adventure every time. So, so what made you want to be a hypnotherapist and what are the benefits of hypnotherapy and the healing that you do? Uh, maybe you can describe how that works for people who are not aware of how, how it works. Yeah, you got it, of course. Um, like most people who do the work that I do, obviously I came from a background that was uh, challenging. My childhood um, was very challenging for the fact that my father was born in Wales post-Second World War, and Wales was a very depressed place to be as a result of the occupation that happened in the Second World War there. They were mm -hmm. really rebuilding, and my grandfather, uh, he served in the war as well and came back with PTSD in a time when it didn't exist and wasn't recognized, and he dealt with it with humor. So, you know, you didn't actually talk about your feelings. You would just joke it away, right? Mm. And my grandmother, because uh, of the fact that she wasn't able to express her feelings and emotions, she became quite militant and very difficult. <laughs> She's very hardline. And um, I, you know, loved her and loved them both. I favored my grandfather, I'm not going to lie. But all of the, the siblings, the children um, that they created uh, have had and do have serious mental health issues um, as a result of being raised in this environment where they weren't allowed to talk about their feelings and their thoughts and they didn't have freedom of expression. Um, so my father is, he's been depressed my whole life and has attempted suicide multiple times. And I live with the reality that, you know, he could make that choice again anytime. And I have to give him his free agency to do so because I can't rescue anyone. I can only facilitate for people to do the work themselves. So that was a huge lesson for me uh, because I tried to rescue my family for a long time, including my father, and I couldn't. And I ultimately realized that the only person that I could take care of was myself. So I had to let go. My mother uh, was severely abused her whole childhood, actually in a cult scenario. Um, and her and her sisters were really badly abused. And so my mother was very broken and uh, she was quite not physically abusive, but definitely very emotionally abusive with me. And so I was raised in a scenario where I was kind of Rapunzel, which is I think why my hair keeps going forever. Cause I just want to have an escape route if I need it. It's all I'm saying. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very difficult being ridden what I felt like a racehorse all the time. I felt like I could never do anything right. And it really ch challenged my sense of self-worth. And so I grew up really with low self-esteem and with my own mental health issues as a result of the fact that my parents were so incapable. My dad was a ghost and my mother was abusive. It was awesome. So of course, one day, you know, I started to look for answers because I realized, you know, that I wanted more for myself and yet my self-worth was so low and the fear of moving forward and creating my dreams was so paralyzing that I didn't invest in myself to make myself a better person, to be and do what I wanted to do. And it took a massive car accident in 2012 that took me out of my career path at the time and my life being shut down for about a year and a half for me to actually really discover what I needed, first of all, to support my physical health. And then I started the actual emotional, spiritual, psychological healing journey. And 
I tried the traditional model at first. I did see a couple of psychologists, but I just found that the Freudian stuff wasn't working for me. I needed something that was more outside of the box because I was actually having an existential crisis as well as needing support with my mental health. The spiritual practice uh, and religion that I was raised in, which was Mormon, um, it was really ripped out from under me when my dad tried to end his life in 2015. He said something that made it impossible for me to continue walk down that path. And so I ended up really losing my sense of self because who I was was dictated to me by the church. How I was going to live my life, what I was going to do was dictated to me. So suddenly I didn't know who I was anymore. And it put me in a place where, you know, the traditional like cognitive therapy just wasn't cutting it. And so I had to walk down a path to discover something outside of the box. And I ended up going to a meditation group. And when I was at this meditation group, uh, it turned out that it was actually facilitated by a hypnotherapist. And she ended up doing a guided visualization with us. And I walked into that room feeling powerless. And I walked out of that room knowing that it was going to be okay. And I have no idea what she said. Because I go way too deep into state. I don't know. But it altered my state. And so I was sitting there going, I have no so, idea what she said. But I definitely, so right. I feel better. completely different. So like, she tapped into a part of me that powerfully shifted me. And I don't even know what she did. And I'm... I need to know answers. I'm one of those people. I love education and I need to know answers. (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up obviously looking into hypnotherapy and I'm the kind of a person that doesn't just want to learn it. I want to be it. So I went to school for hypnotherapy because I figured if I could go to school and learn it, it would support me really creating a next level relationship with my subconscious mind, creating that harmonious relationship that I clearly was realizing I needed to have. And on that journey, I became aware of the energy work as I was practicing with clients. And it left me feeling as though there was another aspect that I needed to tap into. And so I ended up then pursuing and taking a course in pranic healing. And then later on discovered uh, Dr. Bradley Nelson, who uses uh, kinesiological testing to find trapped emotions and to help clear them. And he's based in, uh, he's really based in science. He was a chiropractic uh, practitioner and mm. he wasn't getting results with his clients until he ended up realizing that there was an emotional route to where the pain was. And when he utilized the governing meridian and the kinesiological testing to do the work, it completely shifted it. And he was able to help his clients release what was not serving them and they wouldn't come back so he was making less money but he was getting resolution which was amazing he was actually solving the problem but not being able to to come back (laughs) so i ended up coming to the realization that truly the answers that support me and my clients getting long-term resolution is in learning how to create a harmonious relationship between the conscious and the subconscious mind coming to the understanding that our mind is just like a phone. It has an iOS, it has programs, and they need to be updated just like your phone. Hmm. And that your body, you need to learn the language of the body and you need to work with it because when it is crying out in pain, it's trying to talk to you. And you need to listen to it and work with it instead of taking a pill to shut it up. And when you learn how to source what it's trying to tell you and how to work with it, all of a sudden, you find yourself getting release and the pain isn't there anymore. And when you work with your mind, you find yourself manifesting and creating what you wanted because now 
the most powerful part of your mind, the 95% is now congruent. The programs that are running are in alignment with your current agenda and things just happen with greater ease. So really I found that resolution by not getting what I needed in the traditional model and ending up playing outside of the box to, to get what I needed. And then I realized that this is what I need to, to do to support my clients and to really expedite their healing and expansion and to set them up in such a way that they're owning their power. So I don't just do hypnosis. A lot of hypnotherapists, like the person will come and say, I need to quit smoking or I want to lose weight, right? And then they go into hypnosis and they tell them the stuff and they go out and they get resolution on one pain point. Oh, it's one thing. It's a good way to make a lot of money. However, I'm an ethical practitioner. I am not here to help you with one current pain point today that actually has a root from when you were like, five that isn't even being looked at by anybody yeah. else. So I take my clients and I actually teach them the principles of hypnotherapy and I put the power in their hands so they know how to listen to their mental operating system. They know how to source programs. They know how to update them. And they do the practice with me to the point where when they graduate, they are very successfully and beautifully self-communicating and owning their power and doing the work on their own, which means they graduate and they don't have to keep coming back unless of course there's something going on that they feel like they need support on. And clients obviously come back for here and there for things as they have new experiences in life, right? Cause the work is done for the rest of your life. So I really want to create awareness for everyone to help, everyone understand that if you're working with a practitioner that is keeping the power and isn't teaching you what they're doing in my mind it's unethical they should be handing the power to you because the last time i checked you're a powerful divine being and you should be having that power handed to you instead of having the practitioner keep it and charging you over and over and over again because you have no idea what's going on and you have to go to them to get the work done yeah, so it becomes kind of like another codependency. Like if you're already coming from bad relationships and codependency and in like walls you've built that you don't understand why. So a lot of times people can't really get to that crucible moment until something happens. Like something happens and it makes them actually look at the mirror, look at the looking glass and question like what is going on and be honest. Right. So a lot of times you won't ever handle that you're an alcoholic or a substance abuser or you're a sex addict or what until you actually look in the mirror and you admit it. You admit that you have the problem. You admit that you don't love yourself. You admit that you've you start to actually want to work on it instead of just living in it. And and then some and people what causes move. it. Yeah. Why right? why did what it happen? Like what's the source? The challenges what's that you're dealing with. Because if you go and say I have a gambling problem. Well, that's cool. We can resolve that. But what's causing the gambling yeah. problem? What is the source of it? Because if you just resolve the pain point now, you're going to replace it with something new because the source isn't gone and treated. Yeah. It could have been a deeper source that came from some other like abandonment or it came from it's like abuse or it came from a, a, a really, if you don't address the root cause of anything, root cause analysis, it's like if it goes back to the beginning, like the beginning of your family structure, what's happening as a child, what happened?
stop it. Right? What made you go and you know start having sex or start getting into drugs or start getting into gambling or do self sabotage? Why were you doing that? Because usually there's a trigger. You figure where 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 was it? You know, and then you you have to be honest. And it might, that some people might be very hard if you're like you said you were in a family people didn't talk, right? People didn't say what was wrong. Yeah. So it was probably hard to get to the point where you could actually be free to discuss it even in your own mind. And it's so beautiful to be in that space because I think and know that all of the refining fires that we experience, if we understand that they're happening for our highest good and that there's learning and awareness and expansion to come from it, it gives us something to compare to. Because I lived in a world where I didn't have the freedom to communicate and I didn't um, have the freedom to be who I was. I was repressed. I was punished. I was locked up. I was controlled. Now I have complete control of my life and I am so unfiltered and uncensored that I have no secrets. None. So there's nothing anyone can ever hold against me because I will literally tell you everything. I'm not afraid to share every aspect of my life. And people get blackmailed. People do a lot of things trying to hide secrets, right? Mm -hmm. And because I had that repression, I now know the power of being free, being unfiltered, being uncensored, and not holding anything back. Because really, there's no one that can go and dive into my secrets and try to get into, you know, whatever it is that they think they can get into to, to undo me because it's not, it's not a thing, right? The more yeah. we can step into the fullness of who we are, the more we can learn to love ourselves, the more that we can heal and resolve the pain that is attached to our past experiences, the freer we can be to talk about all of it. And then we are essentially, from an emotional standpoint, impenetrable because there's just no shame attached to anything anymore. Yeah, that's difficult, I guess, in certain places. Like if you come to that realization as an individual, but you're in a group or you're in a family structure or you're in a society that doesn't, re doesn't actually encourage that level of, of independence, like then you can kind of get locked in. Like if you're in a culture that, you know, for religious reasons or for ideological reasons, you can't be honest because they yeah. punish you for being honest. And it's like you could want to, but then you can't even move in in place. So if you're somebody's in that kind of scenario and they come to you, how how do you get person out of that kind of paradigm if they're in a structure that is like even if they get to a good point, the structure around them is gonna be hurtful? The first thing that I tell people that are in a scenario where there is outside pressure. Uh, to be and do something being put on them, the first thing I tell them is they need to let go of the idea that they're anyone's performing monkey. They need to stop trying to fulfill somebody else's agenda because at the end of the day, when they're on their deathbed, they will not be happy. They will not be fulfilled because they were trying to make everyone else happy and at no point did they ever figure out why they were here, what they wanted to do. And I don't want anyone to be ending their life with that kind of resentment and guilt and feeling unfulfilled. 
it is so important to ask yourself, what do I want? What is going to make me happy? And anyone who comes to work with me is an outlier. They are people who felt like they didn't belong in their tribe, didn't belong in their family, didn't belong in the culture they were living in. And they knew there was a better way to be, but they didn't know what it was. So they're already open to the idea of mm-hmm. stepping outside of what they're in because they're deeply miserable and unfulfilled. They just don't know what the answers are. And truly those answers are in asking yourself, what do I want? Fulfill yourself, ask yourself and do a deep dive on your background. I had a, a beautiful client from Zimbabwe and we know the, the history of, of different African countries. They were very much colonized by Europe and mm-hmm. there was slave trade and all sorts of stuff. And the colonization actually created different cultures within these countries where they, they didn't exist previously. So they don't even know what their traditions are or where it stemmed from. And he was telling me about the marriage tradition where they decide how many cows a woman is worth. And I'm like, do you know where that came from, sweetie pie? And he's like, well, yeah, it's a part of the Zimbabwe tradition. I'm like, no, honey, that's, that's colonial. That's colonial, sweetie. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's England that did that. I'm going to let you know that it is incredibly important to look at the colonization, the colonial ways that were forced on you and your roots where that came from. And when he was talking to me, he was like, I remember my, my dad waking me up at like three o'clock in the morning and taking me to a fire circle and people were singing and dancing and doing these things. And it was so cool. And I'm like, there you go. See, Mm -hmm. there was something else going on. And he said, whenever there was conflict in the tribe, there was a wise woman in the tribe that everybody talked to, to get answers, to get guidance, to mediate. And I was like, your culture at its roots is matriarchal. Mm. There is a wise woman. They honor the woman. They honor the goddess. And he was like, holy crap, I lost sight of that. You're right. And I'm like, okay, now, don't forsake the British for doing what they did and then go straight to your Zimbabwe roots and say, that's what I need to be. Question Mm -hmm. everything, learn it all, look at all of the lineage and all of the practices and question all of it. And then ask, what is in my highest good? What is going to lift me up and the children, the beautiful children I'm going to create with my Jamaican goddess. They were such a beautiful couple. (laughs) So they were coming from two different backgrounds, Jamaica and Zimbabwe. So cool, right? And when they could question everything and then ask what traditions are truly empowering us and are going to empower our future generations, the two of them coming from different backgrounds could curate new traditions or take on the old ones that were going to support future generations and stop the abuse and the disempowerment and the things that are not serving, right? So question everything. Stop being a performing monkey for other people and ask yourself, what makes me happy? And do a deep dive on your lineage, on your background and the diversity of it and get clear on everything that has made you who you are because it's not just your life experience that has implemented um, who you are. It is your parents, it is your grandparents. It goes back generations 
that have followed down to now who you are, that have programmed you into the person that you are. And if you're cutting the ends off of the meatloaf and you don't know why you're doing it, and it turned out two generations back, grandma had a pan that was too small and that's why you're doing it. I'm just saying, stop wasting meatloaf. Like you got to figure out why you're doing what you're doing and question it and change it. So that's, that's in, uh, that's a synopsis of essentially what I do with my clients. Cause a lot of people, they get, they get, you know, you might have inherited your grandma and grandpa's religion. Like a lot of African-Americans, like inherit Christianity without knowing what our source, you know, it might've been from Zimbabwe. It might've been from Ethiopia. It could have been from Tanzania. It could be like, but that wasn't my original religion. We, no. we kind of found it. And so the, then the problem is today we get into like this kind of situation where you have like people who have a problem, a problem in America is like, you know, diversity. People don't like diversity or they don't, you know, minorities get put in situations. Right. And then when you're in like, your religion is then going and doing even more uh, like stratification because you might be doing stratification because somebody's sexuality. You might be doing stratification because, oh, this and that, all, all kinds of things. So is that actually helpful for you going forward? Are you just doing this because grandpa was a, a Catholic or grandpa was a Protestant or grandpa? Are you just doing it because your family was? Or does that really make you happy? Did you really make that choice? And I find there's a lot of people, at least in you know in the African American community, sometimes they've just inherited things and they don't question it. They just say, yes. "Well, that's what I'm supposed to be." And then it's like, "Well, is it really serving you? Is it really pushing you forward? Is it really making you make the right choices?" Because it's like, is it really you, your own decision, or are you just following it because there's always this? It's easier to just do what Grandpa did and Grandpa, Grandpa, Grandpa did, or is it? It's harder to actually ask why. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. Every single African-American that is in North America is not from here. They were taken here. Yeah. They were brought here forcibly and then told what to do and told how to behave and told what to worship. So how many generations back... You know, were you doing something else and potentially worshiping something else or had different spiritual practices? And it's important to trace that back to its roots, to question what was forced upon you from the Europeans, because really it was the Europeans who colonized North America and brought the African-Americans, brought the Africans to do their work for them. And there is so much healing that needs to happen for people like me, I didn't partake in any of that because my dad came from Wales just like in his lifetime. So I'm the first generation born in Canada, but I have, there's some Black Whittingtons in Africa mm. and I, I was talking to them and I asked how, how did I end up with Black Whittington family in Africa? And he's like, well, go back a few generations and there were a couple of Whittington boys and they came to Africa and they saw the black booty. The end. <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> okay. So my family yeah. did probably have something to do with the slave trade happening in Africa. And so when I meet someone that's doing the healing work that comes from those places and suffered any kind of hardship at the hands of Europeans, of which is my descent, the only thing I have to say is, I'm sorry. 
And I know I it wasn't me. Yeah, it was I mean, not yeah. me, but it was yeah, my family. Directly, yeah. And I represent the pain. And the only thing I can do is say, I'm sorry and listen. Right? Because that yeah. is how the healing is going to happen. And so if they're South Asian, I'm sorry, because the British went there too. If it's First Nations, I'm sorry. We did stuff to you too. If they're African-American, last time I checked, you were African before. I'm sorry. Like, I just, you know, all I want to do is say I'm sorry and hear your story and help you to discover your true roots and create a life that is in service of yourself. I feel like that is my way of helping the healing happen and helping people to step in their power and helping to unite us as one human race because my my client from Zimbabwe did not realize how much he was going to fall madly in love with a white girl Mm. as friends, obviously. But what we have in common, even though we come from totally different backgrounds, blew both of our minds and we will be united and love each other for the rest of our lives. And I've had the same thing happen with people from India and from Taiwan and, you know, all sorts of different countries they come to me and even though our skin is different, even though we're from different countries, even though we have different practices, fundamentally, we are the same. And if we can unite and heal and say, I'm sorry, even if I didn't do it, it might've been my family and listen to each other's stories and honor and create love for each other. This world has a chance to heal and become one human race. Yeah, that's a very positive Uh, point of view because a lot of times today people have gotten into camps of 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 like ideological thinking where like if something challenges or makes somebody feel guilty for that generational thing that happened that you just described right you didn't directly have an impact there 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 are certain people at least in the u.s that their point of view to, to deal with that is to erase it is to ban books, ban people, yeah. treat people as second, you know, and, and and we're actually in the middle of, of a of a situation in the States where people are taking Rosa Parks books and taking them off the shelf because it makes them feel guilty. Yeah. Right? That you can't have a book about Rosa Parks, what happened, because it makes some person feel guilty and they don't want to feel guilty. And they assume that if you say that somebody did something bad you're gener- generationally bad that they're going to uh, uh, then hate the other person. So you can't even have the book because you're going to generate hate. So you have to remove the book and act like it never happened. So that the, the, you don't want the black people to be mad and they're going to be dangerous if they're mad. So you have to remove the book. And so that's I've the heard... world we're li- that we're living in right now. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I've heard people from my side Uh, white people that are saying, what are the black people complaining about? It didn't happen to them. So why are they still mad? And I'm like, dude, you have no right. You have no right. Because I understand how the generational programming does perpetuate from generation to generation. And whatever it is that you're feeling, even though you didn't have to go and be a slave and, and weren't beat and weren't taken advantage of and stuff like that, your pain and what you're feeling is real and your anger is real and every emotion that you feel should be honored. And even though I wasn't the one who did it, I still 
the only thing I ever have to say is I'm sorry, because that is how that is how the healing happens, because it shows you that I, I don't, I'm not, I don't understand your pain. I don't know what you've been through. I'm a white girl. Okay. I have no right to even try to empathize with you. But for me to say, I'm sorry, I'm open. I'm healing. I, I want to heal with you. I want to hear your perspective. I respect your pain and your, the generations that came before you, their pain as well. It just starts the whole conversation going, okay, she is open. You know what I mean? And even yeah, though she didn't do it, she's she's owning that anyone that has this color skin did stuff. But I mean, you know, a lot of people that, that come from my background will go, well, nobody wants to talk about the fact that the Irish were enslaved for 500 years. So what are they getting mad about? That? They were enslaved for a le- forever. And I'm like, yes, okay. And if you have emotion about that, we can work on that as well. But in all reality, it doesn't negate the okay. fact that people have pain one pain doesn't negate the other you know what yeah. i mean yeah it's a problem it today people people will try to act like you know you have the holocaust you have the middle passage you have people who were in servitude indentured servants you have you know the trial with tears you have all kinds of groups of people humanities inhumanity humanity right the idea of being a humanist or the idea of having empathy Right, seems to have been rejected by certain people as being weak, or it's like it's silly, and people were taking advantage, uh, you know. And it really is the idea of like, why can't you be empathetic? Why, why is it weak to be empathetic to the Cherokee or the Blackfoot or the Apache or an African American or like a Palestinian or anybody in the world that has a problem? Why is it is it weak minded to have some empathy for some for the other? somebody that's not you, right? Why, why do you have to be so nationalistic or so identified by identity politics? What, why does that have to be? Why can't you legitimately have love for your fellow human being with exactly. no, no issues about it being weak or being silly or left-wing or this or that? Why, what's the problem? You know, that, that, that's, you know, being an artist, I've tried to be in the mindset that, you know, everybody's beautiful and there's always some contribution The humans are all creative. Anybody can create. It's not for just artists or everybody's creative. All human beings are creative and you find a way to, to get that creativity or that beauty out of any person, you know, instead of, you know, just rejecting somebody for some off the cuff reason for something somebody told you to think. <laughs> I've been, I think we're really blessed being in North America because it's an, it's a immigrant they're immigrant countries. I'm in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up with a friend from India and I grew up with a friend whose parents were from China. And I grew up with a friend whose parents were from Iran. And I grew up with a friend whose parents yeah. were from Italy. And, uh, you know, like I, it was a, a total mixed down tape in my neighborhood growing up. And yeah. when I wanted Iranian food, I went over to my girlfriend's house for Iranian. I got to have South Asian food and Chinese food and like home yeah. cooked. It was so much fun. I had a great time. And I think being able to grow up with that kind of diversity and being able to experience the different uh, cultures and the different food and everything really set me up for success as a healer now because I bathed in that multiculturalism and I pursue it actively today in my healing practice because I wake up everyone that I work with to the fact that 
there is so much beauty in bathing in the diversity. And when we create awareness, hanging out with somebody who's actually outside of our bubble, it helps us better observe ourselves. I had a, a client from Taiwan and I told him, you need to start questioning your cultural practices. And he was always around people from his background. When he started working with me at the suggestion of somebody from India, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he was, he went into my treatment room. We did some work. He had to go powder his nose. He went to the washroom. And when he came back, he knocked on the door. He knew I was in there. He had permission right. to be in there. And I was like, why did you just knock on the door before you came in? He's like, oh my gosh, you're right. That's the thing we do. That's a, that's a, that's a cultural, cultural thing. thing. Yeah. And I'm like, there you go. Now, none of your family or friends in your culture would have called that out, but because I'm white Canadian, it's not something that we do. Yeah, so it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So if you stay in your bubble and you only hang around people that are like-minded, you're actually hindering yourself to expand because you're not dancing with different ideas. You're not having people reflect your behaviors back at you. So the more we can get out of our bubble and mix and mingle with people from different countries, different cultures, the more we can one unify, but the more we can actually self-observe and expand as well. So I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. There's just a problem in like the South of the U S right now is like, there's a tendency to want to reject that. The world is very global and the world is going in that direction, but we have pockets that are deciding to go back because they can't handle it, right? And so it, it, it's very kind of uh, a, a kind of watershed moment. And it kind of, in my opinion, I would just go put an opinion, that because of what happened in the Civil War, there's some things that never really got addressed in America. Mm. And because that stuff never got addressed, it's still underlying and it's still there all the time. And yeah. people didn't on honestly address it and deal with it. And so what you see happening in the U.S. right now is because, of it, in my opinion, it was never fully addressed and people never really apologized. They never really understood it. They thought they had a right to rebellion. They still yeah. think they have a right to rebellion. They still think that they were right, right? So it's like like if you're in Nazi Germany, they actually go through and they have lessons and tell you you shouldn't, that that was terrible, right? That yeah. they, they that you outlaw Nazism, you outlaw that. But they hold on to the Confederacy like a badge of honor and don't acknowledge the, the dangerous negative things about it. And so you go into the 21st century still maintaining that. Yeah. How are you ever going to go forward when you say that there's nothing wrong with it? Yeah, that, that truly breaks my heart because it's fundamentally for me, the way that I function in my life is showing up with unconditional love in all things and in all situations and in all places. And so when I show up to interact with someone, I'm seeing you as a divine being and giving you unconditional love without you doing anything because you're not my performing monkey. You don't need to seek my approval. You're already brilliant and beautiful. And the only thing I ask myself when I'm mixing and mingling with somebody new is, are they in a victim mindset because they haven't stepped out of their refining fire? Or are they on the expansion path? Now, if they're in a refining fire, maybe they're a client. <laughs> All right? yeah, client. Yeah, and yeah, maybe help. they're ready to step out and do the work. If they are comfortable in their refining fire and they're really negative, I might not cherry pick them into my life. 
if they're on the expansion path and seeking answers, then I might just cherry pick that person into my life and dance with them. And so for me, I'm loving everyone unconditionally, but I'm only cherry picking those people that are aware of their power, that want to expand, that are seeking answers, that are doing the work to be a better person. You know what I mean? Would you call that emotional intelligence? Like if somebody is stuck in that bad path, right? They're not willing to expand. Um, mm. Is the emotional intelligence where you actually are willing to, to, to go and expand yourself? Actually, so the way that I define, I was actually doing this with my clients in group coaching yesterday. The way that I define emotional intelligence is actually in learning how to recognize your emotion, how to name your emotion, how to hold space for it when it comes up, how to stop and not react in the moment when you are emotionally triggered, learning how to zip it, right? <laughs> learning how to uh, actually like process and source where the emotion came from and release it so that it, you don't have to visit it again. So I teach my clients a process of how to actually honor their emotion because I firmly believe that there isn't an emotion that's bad. We call anger bad, but is it the anger that's bad or is it the thing you did to the person with your anger that was bad, right? Mm -hmm. Anger yeah. by itself is actually not a bad emotion. If you're feeling anger, it's because there's pain. And mm -hmm. the anger is signaling to you there's something you need to visit in yourself. And you need to honor that anger and go, whew, all right, yep, I'm seeing red. Where is that coming from? And go back and figure out where that pain came from. It's only when we bury it and we don't honor it that it shows up in very inopportune times and we do things that literally we regret, right? Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. the action that is not good. It's not the emotion. And mm -hmm. we know that in general, in society, men are allowed to have three emotions, happy, mad, horny. That's all they get. It's gotta be <laughs> one of the three. And if it's not one of the three, they make it one of the three, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're either happy or they're angry or they go to the bar. Like yeah. that's pretty much how it works. Whereas women, we're emotional cripples. We're just all emotion. We're a hot mess. Everything controls our emotion controls us. We just, we don't even know what we're going to be being or doing in any minute. And we might end up being like all messy at one point. Not like we're just a hot mess of emotion. Right? So women apparently are emotionally incapacitated and we're just a hot mess and men, well, they're allowed to have a tiny little spectrum of emotion. And so they never develop a relationship with their emotions. So when they get into a relationship, the men are expecting they're going to be dealing with a hot mess of a human who can't control their emotion and they can't properly name and communicate their emotions. So when there's an argument, when there's a, when there's a breakdown and they're sitting there trying to express their feelings to resolve things in a conflict, they can't. And they get frustrated because they're trying and they just can't. And women are not taught to honor and flow their emotion. And so they just end up being, because we're allowed to be emotional, we just vent everything all over the place, right? Mm. And both are unhealthy. Both yeah. are very unhealthy. We're Men need to walk across, across. Crossing each other and not getting, you're not connecting because you're, you're no, exactly. 
So men need to yeah, walk so a path makes, to yeah. learn how to, um, in fact, it's really cute because my partner who I've been with for nine and a half years, he was saying, because he came from a beef farm, he was saying, you know, when I, when I started dating you, I had like these three emotions and that was it. And then you opened me up and I've got like thousands and I don't know what to do with all of them. And I'm like, you're welcome. I know I should come with a disclaimer, <laughs> right? But it's beautiful because he's learned to sit down, honor his emotions and speak them until I am hearing what he intended. So what I do with my partner is I mirror. And that means that he vocalizes what he wants to say when he's feeling the emotion, when we're talking. And I'll say, okay, I hear you saying this. And then he'll be like, no, that's not what I mean. Give me a minute. I got to try this again. And I will let him vocalize until what I am saying in response is exactly what he meant to say to me to ensure that I'm truly hearing what he's trying to say instead of him saying something because he's an emotion, having it come out wrong, and then me getting mad because he said something wrong, but it wasn't what he meant, right? Yeah. So that's emotional intelligence. And each, uh, each sex essentially has their challenges and struggles and needs to walk a path to one, hold space for our own emotion and learn how to honor and process it. And two, hold space for our partner's emotion and to allow for them to be able to develop their own language to communicate it as well. And so I have a very different definition of emotional intelligence. <laughs> That's really interesting. Cause the one thing I've always seen I don't know, over my lifetime, if a, if a man has too many emotions, sometimes women, they don't like it because I guess they've been trained that men only have the three, right? So if you run into yeah. a guy that is more emotionally complex, sometimes women would be turned off by it because they don't expect that. Right. And they've never seen other men be that way and like don't know what to do with it. And so then then you're like, well, you got to find somebody that can actually understand. That. <laughs> yes, because the archetype is Thor. Right. Like he's supposed <laughs> to be a big, strong warrior and he's supposed to, you know, like be happy and joyful and partying or a fierce warrior taking people down, fighting the battles. And, you know, he's got to have a six pack and all that great stuff. But. In all reality, I think the stronger men are the ones who are willing to sit down and, and do the work and try to source and name their emotions when they've been raised not to. And it's one of the most challenging things that a man can do because it is a struggle. And I honor that. So I praise and give love to any man who's willing to sit down and do that work and express themselves and learn how to name those emotions. And any woman who is expecting a man to fulfill the archetype is in the system and she's a lemming and she needs to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think people get stuck on a track, you know, they get on the train, you know, we talk about it. Like you can, you can be on that train or you can get off, you know, right. You can decide that I'm not going to let that carry me to that destination. I'm going to change it. I'm just going to get off and have an independent. I'm not going to be on that rail, you know, and a lot of people get stuck on the rail because it, you know it, the society kind of puts you on the rail, and if you're you're not willing to kind of look at yourself, I think you can fall into it. And I think over time, you know, I had a big crucible in my life. I had cancer at age 27, okay. and it really changed my mindset because I know I, I, at age 27 I had like a life death experience, uh, and I made it, and it made me realize like I don't always have all the time in the world. I yes. should be very clear 
about what I want. I should articulate exactly what I feel instead of hiding it. And it changed my whole life. It changed what I do, how I do it, because it's, I'm a totally different person based on what that ha happened. And, you know, I, I hate to have cancer happen to somebody, you know, that's not the way to do it. But for me, that's what happened. It's like I, I would had that situation and things changed where I was willing to explore things and challenge myself in ways that I wouldn't. Uh, because, you know, you, you have that moment and you decide, like you said, the car accident made you had that situation like a crucible. I that was my brick wall. Yeah, a lot of people run into these crucibles and a thing happens and it, boom, you go and you make you make some choices. It wakes you up. That's exactly it. And, you know, I was going to say in honor of the direction this beautiful conversation is going is that it's important for these conversations to happen, you know, because you're right. There are so many people that are closed minded and are in scarcity and are uh, holding on to old ideals. And the more of us that can stand up and speak our truth and say, I am here supporting one human race. I am here loving everyone. I am not here ascribing to this agenda. Everyone is beautiful and equal and deserves to be loved and cherished and to have their dreams nurtured and to thrive. The more people will step up and say, yeah, I like the way she's thinking. I knew that the way they were doing it sucked, but I didn't know that there was a, I didn't know how to do it, but I like what she's saying. So I'm going to hop on that bandwagon because that sounds pretty dope. So those of us that have a loving message, those of us that want to strive towards the idea of one human race, those of us that are using our voting dollars to purchase ethical things with small businesses and all the rest of that kind of stuff, we need to, to make those voting dollars count and we need to talk about it so mm. that people that are looking for a better way, feeling lost, can hear that truth and say, yeah, that's the direction I need to go in. So the fact that you have this podcast and the fact that you're speaking to people from different arenas and you're allowing for people like me to speak my truth about universal love and one human race and loving and adoring everyone and saying, I'm sorry at the beginning of a conversation, even though it wasn't me, is important to be heard so that other people can go, yeah, I want to do that. Because the more people that step up and say, yes, I'm going to be unconditional love, the more this world is going to be a loving, beautiful place. I always have hope for the world, you know, being a cancer survivor, you can, you can get to the point where you re, you run into people who have these dark moments. And I tell people like, you know, you can have this dark moment, but there's always something that can happen that you can, you can break out of it. Right. You, some people get to that wall and they think there's no hope, but yeah. you know, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned and, and there are people that, you know, maybe don't, never learn it. You know, they, they end up leaving because they don't believe or they can't get into that self-awareness or they can't get to that emotional, uh, you know, intelligence or even the vulnerability. I think some people are so scared of being vulnerable, they'll take it to the, to the, to the nth degree and, it's like, and not solve their issues by not being honest with themselves and not, not opening up and just, uh, you know, holding everything in. And then what happens when you're holding things and it explodes, it comes out in bad ways. You don't help yourself. You don't get, you're not healthy. You don't feel good. You don't feel, you know, blessed. You don't feel like you're, you're connected. And I think that the, the better you can be connected to the earth and everything around you, the you know, animals and people, 
and and the environment and and understand it's like a holistic point of view. You know that that they, they there's not just one side that you have to pay attention to the heart, mind, body, spirit, soul. That you have to do that. And if you don't, then you're always gonna feel like lacking. You're never gonna feel right. And I created this podcast because I want to connect. You know, back in 2016, I wanted to connect as many people as possible. And I was a musician and I found myself doing what a lot of musicians, just being by myself mm. in my creative zone and not connecting during the artistic process. I said, well, I really need to connect more because how am I going to write about things as an artist if I'm not connecting to anybody? And it's all just in my head. And I found I got to be a better writer and a better musician uh, and, and a better person by connecting to people all over the world through this podcast. That was the point of doing it is this, just to be able to talk to humanity. And that, that's why, and I'm, I, I'm glad you appreciate uh, th th what I'm doing, but you know, I, I do. I, I, it's kind of cool to be able to, to do what we're doing tonight. I love what you said. I just want to touch base really quickly on vulnerability because you said a lot of people are afraid of being vulnerable and yet, when you're unresolved, when you have guilt, when you have shame, when you have pain and trauma that you're holding on to, you are vulnerable because you're a house of buttons. And all it takes is one person to come and push that button and you're going to do something you regret. So you're so vulnerable. Mm. And yet, when you do the work, when you heal, when you release all of those buttons, release the trauma, release the pain, release the shame, release your, uh, your familial pain from past generations, you actually truly set yourself free so that you aren't vulnerable. Because the ultimate awareness of being a beautiful, powerful, divine being, and loving yourself, fulfilling yourself puts you in a place where you're not seeking anything from an outside source anymore. And you can let people be and do what they're going to do good or bad and see them and give them love. And if they need a little support, wish them healing. But it has nothing to do with you because you don't need their energy at all. You're good, you're resolved. And their behavior will never push buttons. So you can just be in a place of peace. So I want everyone to understand that when you are unresolved, you are truly vulnerable and you will stay that way. Healing makes you invulnerable. Wow. I hadn't really thought it that way, but that's probably the best uh, description of vulnerability I've heard since I've been <laughs> doing this because I think a lot of people, they, they don't see it the way you just said. And I think that's a really, uh, that, that's a very eye-opening uh, point of view that you just push there. I think people go back and listen to that. Um, because it, <laughs> it's something that, that I'm going to take to heart because I think it's a, uh, you know, when you talk to people like yourself, it's like the nuggets of knowledge through experience of being a therapist and going through things and, and actually, you know, healing people. I It's very, very um, insightful to be able to get different points of view. And and, and that's what I love to do. And we are kind of hit our, our target tonight. Uh, we, we hit over an hour. So, um, yeah, I hate to close it out because we're going. I think so it's well, a beautiful but... way to end this on that on that message, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it was it, it's brilliant. Um, so again, www.harmonywoodington.com, and if people go to that website, what will they find there again? 
Uh, so you'll learn a little bit about me, who I work with, which is love warriors. And that is people who are called to do something, to give love in some way. And for each individual, that's different. So if you find yourself feeling the calling to give love to the world in some way, and maybe you know what that is and you haven't stepped into it, or maybe you know what that is and you're afraid to step into it. I'm here to serve you, to see you stand in your power, to serve that agenda so that we can make this world a more loving place. You'll see the option of being able to book a free call with me if you feel inspired to do so, to get to know me better, to feel if we're a fit. And there's also my services and such on there as well. My books, I've got merch, I've got all sorts of fun stuff. There's also free things that I have in there as well. So if you aren't necessarily in a position to invest in yourself, from a financial standpoint, there are free things that I have that you can absolutely take just to start doing the work and get you on the path. I think that's going to be very um, insightful for anybody that goes in it and clicks on it. That will be clickable when we're fully published. Right now, you can't click it, but you can go to www.harmonywardington.com and type it in. But uh, when we're fully published on all the big podcast sites, that will be clickable so you'll be able to go right to it. So we do encourage people to actually click the links of the people we talk to because they usually have a lot of insightful things that you should check out. And uh, hopefully you, our fans and audience will, will click that when it becomes clickable. Thank you for being a guest on the Family Electric Ghost podcast. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and I'm honored to share my thoughts with your beautiful audience. Thank you very much. Have a great um, well, it's nighttime here, but um, have a good night or day time. Where, Absolutely. Your, your time, so. <laughs> you too.